podcast promoting Australian female musicians and artists. Today I am joined by Georgia Mulligan. Georgia is a singer-songwriter who's had a really good 12 months. She's just released uh, a really cool single, just been announced at Big Sound. It is all happening. Georgia, thanks so much for coming on Women Who Rock. No worries. Thanks for having me. You, uh, you've played a couple of solo shows recently and you have one coming up soon on the 7th of August uh, which I think will happen just uh, before this podcast comes out Mm -hmm. but when I saw you playing a couple of months ago I saw you were playing in kind of a big full band but you also play these kind of solo shows is it difficult to adapt the songs for the different settings for whatever band you're playing with yes and no like I tend to just sort of choose different songs for different sets so there are some songs that I just won't play if I'm playing solo just because they sound so much better with the band that yeah I don't really play them solo yeah but then other ones I'll just sort of adapt and yeah it really depends I'd like to get into the the kind of songwriting process that you go through as well. So when you sit down and you're writing a song, are you thinking specifically, you know, this is, I'm going to play this at a solo set or I'm going to play this with the band or is it just an organic process and you see where it fits once it's kind of finished? Uh, we're just thinking about, I guess, th- this run of songs that is going to be on the album. Some of them... Well, most most of the time I'll, I'll write in a very stream of consciousness kind of way. So I'll sit down and start writing. Um, I'll kind of come up with a melody and a guitar line and the words all in one sitting. And I'll kind of be recording it and writing down as I'm going and trying not to lose bits. And then like days later, I'll come back to it and try and see what's there. And probably, yeah, when I come back to it, that's when I'll just, I'll sort of hear like this is a band song or this is just going to be really stripped back like when I start thinking about the layers that are going to go on it and like yeah so it kind of happens close to the beginning but not right away a little bit later on in the evolution of the song yeah where you said you work on in one sitting looking at the melody and the lyrics and the guitar parts which comes first is it always Mm, the same no it's it's always different for me I'm always like amazed by people who have a very disciplined process because I I just don't like it tends to be all in like a I can only write when there's something there like when there's something to get out so it's always a very like cathartic kind of thing I guess like it's so yeah I find it difficult to just sit down and write if nothing terrible's happened to me for a while yes (laughs) or like I'm not processing something or thinking it over but yeah I guess yeah sometimes I'll just like write almost like a poem like just like or like just like prose like heaps of words and then um start singing that and then yeah 
it's all very intertwined in my head. Though. Does that, if you have to be in a particular headspace when it all, that first session kind of happens, does that mean there can sometimes be a long time between writing different songs? Yes, definitely. Okay. So usually it'll be like bursts of like five or six songs within a couple, a month or two. And then I might not um, rap for another few months and then I might rap. Yeah, it's very sporadic. So how about, I mean, you're working on an album at the moment. Is that kind of what's happened? You've gone in bursts and sort of let those ferment and then a bit later on you've had some more bursts for working towards this final product? I think so, yeah. So it's kind of like everything's recorded and pretty much done now. So that's going to be like, that's it for that little body of work. But yeah, so there was like, I think we got to nine songs the end of 2017 and then I wrote so long in like Feb, this year and was like I want this to be on the album so we just recorded it really quickly and it ended up being the first single of the album even though it was the last one to be recorded so how many tracks were you shooting for um didn't really have much of an aim like just kind of whichever I think we recorded 10 so there'll probably be 10 or maybe nine on the finished thing okay yeah. That's interesting. So it kind of happens in bursts. I was reading about, I'm a big fan of Patti Smith. Mm-hmm. I was reading about her process and she said that she writes at like seven o'clock every morning and kind of just forces herself mm. whether she's kind of feeling it or not. So every kind of early morning, that's when she does it. But you're kind of the opposite to that, where it's like, it's more you have to be kind of in a moment or in some kind of feeling for it to come out. Yeah, I think, though, like, her process is probably the more kind of evolved thing to do. Like, I think that's something to work towards, like, especially in anything like, I don't know, yoga or whatever. (laughs) Like, I do a lot of that, you know, incense shit. So, like, but, yeah, there's, like, a phrase that they say at the place that I go that it's, like, with repetition, the magic is forced to arise. So, like you do something every single day and even if it's the same thing that is what uh causes the inexplicable thing to arise so when even doing it when you don't feel like it that doesn't matter you're still doing it so i think yeah i think patty smith's probably onto something there she so. is a very experienced writer <laughs> she, yeah she knows what's going on so that's an interesting quote i was kind of talking to a friend not that long ago about the idea of magic Mm-hmm. And this is going to get a little bit weird. <laughs> okay. Cool. But I mean, when you th- when you're a kid, magic is like like a clown or like a card trick. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to my friend and she was saying something like we when you're an adult, magic is more like looking at a painting and it kind of moves you in a way that you can't describe. I guess for me, I get that listening to blues music, mm-hmm. particularly if it's at like 2 a.m. <laughs> and I'm listening to blues music. And there's something that just kind of happens that, yeah, I can't really explain it with a rational thought. I guess that's the kind of magic that she's trying to tap into, that Patti Smith is trying to tap into at 7 o'clock every morning. Yeah, I think that's that's what like anything creative is is going for, I guess, is that, uh, that out-of-the-ordinary moment. Words, the things you wrote down. 
So you've been working on this album for quite a while. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like so long. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know what it is anymore, but we're going to put it out. Okay, cool. Yeah. And a lot of work's gone into it. It's just the... Yeah, it's just been... Maybe that... I don't know. Maybe it's just because it's the first thing. Like, well, we did the EP and that was a bit more, like, structured. Um, but, yeah, there's something about this. It might be just, like, the psychological roadblocks as well of, like, having, you know, this is an album. Like, it's got to be this and it's got to be that. And I'm only now getting to the point where I'm just, like, I just want to put it out there and just move on. That must mean it's finished, right? <laughs> yeah. When you get to that point. Yeah. Has your perception of what making your debut album would be, has that changed with time as you've spent more and more hours recording in the studio or thinking mm. about the recordings and going back and listening to it and perfecting it? Yeah. Well, I guess there are many different ways to do it. So, yeah, this is like the long and, you know, drawn out way. So I guess I always envisioned it more of the like, you know, get in there, record everything. It's all done in like a couple months, which like lots of people do, they do that. But um, yeah, this is kind of how it's worked out. We have never met, but we have a mutual friend in Ryan. Mm-hmm. And so for all of this album, have you been working with uh, Ryan K. Brennan in the yep. studio? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So it's in a way, it's as much like his project as mine in a way, like we kind of started the demos for it over a year ago and um yeah he's kind of been yeah like we're still I'm still sending him messages like now being like oh can we just do this can we just tweak this a little bit and he's like yes <laughs> <laughs> so can you tell me about his influence what has he kind of bought i guess like the main thing about Ryan as a producer is that he brings out the artists like confidence in themselves which is a really like subtle and difficult thing to do so because he is like he's very knowledgeable and he'll always have suggestions but he'll never push anything on you that you that isn't right for you like yeah he's just like very good at sort of letting an artist kind of drive the project which has been good like for me starting out especially um just having that like like that support without yeah without being like pushed in any way so, yeah. Did he also, when we were recording with him, he has like a box of percussion toys. Mm-hmm. Did you play it? Because I was listening really carefully for like three or four times to In the Dark. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I could hear specific percussion things. Did you play with his like box of percussion toys as well? Does that make its way into the forthcoming album? Yeah. Well, I mean, Ryan drummed on, I think he drummed on all the tracks. So he's particularly on... We did a new version of Any Given Day, which we put out as a single. I put it out last year, but we like did a new recording of it for the album. So there's definitely some little, some little shakers and some little fun things in there. And okay. Yeah. So yeah, he's really. Yeah, there's little little bits in there. He did that on one of our days as well. He's like, we're finished, but oh no, tambourine. Yeah. It definitely need a tambourine yeah. here, and he plays there's it, tambourine. and he's really good because those percussion instruments are hard. Mm. I think you kind of everyone thinks they can play like an egg shaker kind of thing. Mm, I can't do that. It's, hard. it's I'm so too wonky. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, cool. So we kind of were talking about the latest single uh, in no the dark. It's called yeah. the dark. Yeah. It's been getting some really killer reviews on Triple J Unearthed. Yeah. We're gonna have a listen 
uh, very soon. But before we do, can you just tell us a bit about what The Dark is about? Uh, it's, I guess, what I usually say before I play it is uh, it's kind of about trying to navigate that weird phase of young adulthood where you're kind of trying to define yourself outside of relationships, outside of, especially with songwriting. I think I wrote it in a point where I was like, just feeling, I was pretty angry and just feeling a bit like I'd had a few sort of relationships that have, it ended kind of disappointingly and not particularly dramatically and just kind of sat down to write a song and started writing this like really sappy, sad song and then was like, actually, no, I'm just going to write a song that's completely about me and my experience and just let it be that and not let it, the you in the song is not anyone. It's all completely this one person. It's like the two sides of a psyche talking to each other and it's like it's very like a bodily sort of visceral writing as well so there's a lot of talk of like heart and blood and brains and (laughs) things and just the that kind of thing does that make sense no that makes sense well it will make more sense when we have a listen with that in mind let's have a listen to georgia's most recent single it's called the dark Get drunk Might cry a little bit But it won't be When did you learn 
was Georgia Mulligan's new single called The Dark. The video is really cool for that. It's filmed at Petersham Bowling Club, right? Yes. I love that place. One of the great establishments of the Inner West. Uh, it's kind of almost unrecognisable, though, because if you haven't like hung out there heaps yeah, because of all the set dressing we did. Also quite um, dark. Yes. Aptly titled for the video. Much mood. A lot of mood. Yeah. And also one Cameron from the band next door. Two yes. SCR's yes, own celebrity. Cameron in there, <laughs> dancing and or bopping. Yeah. Um, so one feature that go – I'll put a link up to the video so mm-hmm. people can watch. There, Throughout the video, there's kind of like this paper mache heart, yep. I think. Can you tell us about that? Did you make that? Um, so Hazel, who wrote and directed the video, actually came up with the idea for the heart – so when we were first talking about making a video, so I sent she because she's a filmmaker, and um, we actually worked together at the cinema, oh, and cool. um, so heaps of cool creative people work there, and yeah. So anyway, we were she was like, I'm interested in making a music video. Do you have any songs you want to do? So I was like, this one, and then so she listened to it and read the lyrics, and yeah, this was what she came up with. She we went through a few like iterations of the idea, but there was always this heart was always going to be outside of my body and it was always going to be sort of moving around. So we, yeah, it ended up being simpler, even though the, it was still a pretty complicated idea. It's simpler to just chase it through. There were all other things where it, what the heart was going to do. But, uh, yeah, it was kind of hard to orchestrate that. Is it paper mache? Is that what yeah. yeah, Hazel made it. So we had like a little informal competition where I tried to make one. Mine was oh, terrible. Really? <laughs> it looked like a steak. <laughs> it was like <laughs> pink. And then she was like, oh, I don't know, and like sent me a photo of this beautiful little thing that she'd made. And yeah. And then it was on fishing wire. And um, yeah, it was operated puppeteer style by Hazel's partner, Tom. He was like the heart wrangler on set. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Official and unofficial heart wrangler. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. (laughs) Well, yeah, we'll put the uh, clip up so everyone can see it. Yeah. Tell me why you love Sharon Van Etten so (laughs) much. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't even know anymore, like, the the why. You know, it's kind of like why you love Patti Smith so much, you know. Um, But I guess the main reason is, so hearing Sharon's music... It was just one of the first artists that I listened to that I really felt like I could do that, if that makes sense. Even though she's got this, like, incredible voice and, like, kind of almost otherworldly sort of feeling that comes from her music, it just, like, got me on a lot of levels, like, mostly emotionally. But um, the more that I, like, looked into the, the way that she worked and, like, her life and everything, I just felt like, yeah, I don't know, it was something that, wasn't completely foreign to me because I'd never played, you know, I never played in front of anyone until I was about 21. So, yeah. It just really resonated. Yeah, I don't know what it is. I think the first thing was probably the her voice, just that ability to have that, like, magical element. Like, she's got this thing, I don't know what it is, yeah. but it just gets you. And, yeah, ever since then, just been obsessed. <laughs>
Last year, you were the first Triple J on Earth winner to play the Fairgrounds Festival in Berry. How was that experience? It was fun. It was more fun than I thought it would be. I thought it would just be really stressed the whole time. So it was like a little bit stressful, but mostly it was chill because like we were the first band on. Um, so we got to open the main stage, which was cool. And there were even a few people there to watch us, which was nice. And um, yeah, definitely the biggest stage I've ever played. It was like, you know, not super close to everyone in the band. Everyone was metres away from each other. Oh, right. which is <laughs> Not like, tucked in the corner. Yeah, I'm used to being like, you know, bashed in the face with the bass. And, <laughs> so yeah, it was it was fun. We'd, I did feel like a bit of a fraud. <laughs> like, like we were the only like real unknowns on the lineup. So kind of wandering around backstage, I kind of was like, people must just be like, who the fuck is this? <laughs> what are you do? Why are you eating the food? <laughs> so like, like Aldous Harding backstage. I was just like. <laughs> Didn't Jen Claw play as well? Yes. Uh, we saw Courtney and Jen eating lunch. Um, yeah, just a lot of internal debate about who to talk to and just ended up talking to no one. Okay. It's <laughs> too scared. Well, on the topic of announcements, you've been announced as an artist for Big Sound mm-hmm. coming up in, that's September, right? Yeah. Coming up really soon. Yeah. Have, is that the first time you've played Big Sound? Yes. Have you been before as a... No. Okay. I've never experienced it, but... Uh... I have also not been. <laughs> Good. Well, <laughs> a lot to talk about there. I'm sure it's going to be rad. <laughs> yeah, from what I've heard, it's just a really full-on experience. I'm just imagining a big lanyard fest, but I don't really know. Like, I don't know. I actually stressed out all day today thinking about flights and accommodation, which is the, the fun part of being an independent artist with no manager or anyone to sort of do stuff for me. Yeah. A bit scared. Logistics. Yeah. That's the wor- that's the bit that is as far removed from the magic as possible. Yeah. Booking flights, can I be in the place mm-hmm. at the right time? Where's yeah. the accommodation? Yeah. Yeah. Got to do it, I guess. Yes. <laughs> Someone has to. We were talking about your album before. Mm-hmm. It is so it's all done, finished, mixed and mastered? Uh not mastered, but got the final mixes. Okay. So, yeah. I guess I have, I've held off on mastering just because they've just been little tweaks and just because it's been so long, I think that's also, you know, it's a blessing and a curse because it means that, you know, because it's not mastered, we can go back and be like, oh, maybe we'll just change that and that. Mm. Um, but I'm kind of getting to the stage where I'm like, time to lock it off. <laughs> like It's time to lock it, it off. It needs to stop. <laughs> Does it have a time? Do you have a plan for when you're going to do it or release some more singles first and then see how that goes um i'm just still kind of tossing up like because i've already got three songs out that are going to be on the album i think probably the next thing we'll do is just put the whole thing out oh right um and maybe do some shows for it so by the end of the year is it's going to be out by the end of the year so maybe like october november cool okay yeah and i really did love It is time 
for Tell Me a Thing, the end of podcast segment. So I have a list of topics, seven topics. And yeah, Georgia, I'd like you to tell me, use one of the topics to tell me something. The topics are musical equipment, recording equipment, Patti Smith, punk rock, politics, death, and poetry. Georgia, can you tell me a thing? I looked very hard at all of these topics and was very intimidated by all of them. But I'm going to go with death, not because I know anything about death, but just because it is something that I think about in a kind of an abstract way, rather than like, because I have been very fortunate not to have to go through a lot of death and loss and grief. Um, I almost feel a bit glib talking about like, oh, I'm going to talk about death. But I guess <laughs> the reason I chose it is because it was just at the top of my mind because I listened to a podcast last night about uh, mummification in ancient Egypt okay. and the varying levels. So, like, if you paid more, you got, like, the deluxe mummification where you got, like, the full bandaging and, like, the shroud and, like, the nice amulets. So not everyone got that. You had to be super rich to get that. That sounds um, a little bit like a scam. Well, quite, quite yeah. a lot like a scam, actually. Yeah. There was, like, the poor people's one where they just, like, took out some of your intestines and soaked you in salt, and then that was it. And then there was, like, the medium one, and then there was, like, the deluxe one. So that's what I was thinking about. Um, <laughs> I don't know what else. Podcasts about death are great. Yeah. Why do you listen to podcasts about ancient history? Because I just it's one of the only things that I find is actually interesting to me. Like I I try and listen to podcasts about politics or current affairs and I can listen to it for a bit, but uh I just really am obsessed with stories, I think. Okay. I studied history and film and uni and just uh yeah, I just really like to be I just feel like it's a form of knowledge where you can it's like narrative based knowledge. So you feel like you're learning but you're also like taking part in this story so it's almost like not real but you don't feel like you're wasting your brain cells <laughs> even though <laughs> we're a big fan of stories here at 2SER yeah. <laughs> stories ideas and or music yeah, nice segue <laughs> cool so Georgia thanks so much for coming on and having a chat to me today on Women Who Rock thank you when you're on Women Who Rock is proudly produced in the Sydney studios of 2SER 107.3.